CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. We're glad you've joined us. Looking forward to being with you as we always are every weekday afternoon at this time, where we come to you live answering questions about the Bible from the Bible, looking at current events with a biblical perspective, and also what we hear in churches and even in the Bible at all. If you've got a question you'd like to ask us, someone's asked you a question, we want to be sure you get a good answer from God's Word. That number to call again, 88 88 ask CSN and you can be part of the program today. Joining me today, special guest and featured CSN speaker morning times, uh, Sunday morning times here at seven. We have with us John Randall from uh, Calvary Chapel, South OC. Hi and welcome. Uh, hi, Mike. Great to be with you today and excited for what the Lord has for us on the program. Yeah. Looking forward to answering some questions with you and, uh, Everybody getting ready for Thanksgiving. Again, I shared this yesterday. Thanksgiving is is something that we as believers should be about every day. Um, Thanksgiving requires us to take an inventory of our life. Lord, thank you for my car. Thank you for my house. Thank you. And when we begin to do that, we take inventory in the Thanksgiving into which we realize those things have been entrusted to us. They're not yours. They're not mine. You're a heartbeat away from leaving them all. But they've been entrusted to us. How best do I use what I have to further the kingdom of heaven? And I believe thankfulness is key in in um, our, our Christianity. You know, people have come to me over the years, and I'm sure, John, they've been, well, what, what's God's will for my life? Well, what's God's will for my life? Well, it's interesting. The Bible tells us, give thanks in all things, for this is the will of Christ Jesus concerning you. I think it's interesting that when we're thankful, we take inventory. And in our inventory of possessions that God has given us, talents and abilities, we lay those at the feet of the cross and say, okay, Lord, no longer I that live, you live through me, and what a blessing it is. Not something we do just um, one day a year, the last Thursday of the month, but it's something that we do, I believe, should do every day. Well, let's go ahead and go to the phones. The number to call again if you want to be part of the program is 8888-ASK-CSN, and you can be part of the program. And we're going to go to Steve in Rimrock, Arizona. Hi, welcome. Are you there, Mike? Yes, I am. How may we help? Uh, it's always such a pleasure to talk to you. I, I, I'm so glad uh, that we have we have your uh, your radio show to be able to call in and talk to you about, Mike. I, this this came on my mind, but in the Book of Revelation. It, the 144,000, it says that they're chaste. They haven't been defiled by a woman. They're they're virgin, and uh, they're they're more or less spotless, and and there is no lie found in their mouth. And wherever the Lamb goes, they go and follow. Their obedience is is something else. And in in that book, I don't see where one hair of their head is ever hurt uh, during their whole 
ministry and the fact that uh um that they're able to to do what they do i i was just wondering mike could when the lord says they're also uh the first fruits could could the lord jesus uh have them in their glorified state i i don't see why he couldn't if if he wanted and no harm can come to them and and there would be no sin in them is is well, that a possibility because divinely... i yeah, they're divinely protected by God. We know that. Um, I believe the church is not here. God is never without a witness. And of course, you have the angels flying to the midst of heaven, the two witnesses in the streets of Jerusalem, and the 144,000 Jews that are from the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, because of that description, I would lend, lean um, pretty strongly that they're just human beings that God has singled out for this time. Um, the idea that they are in some way in a glorified body or they're in some way in a supernatural state. Um, I, I don't get that from the text. I, I don't want to say you're wrong though. Uh, but I am saying that it appears to me that they are fellow servants and God puts his mark upon them, Revelation chapter 7, the Antichrist puts his mark on the people of the earth, Revelation chapter 13, the counterfeit mark. But God puts his mark on them. And I think if they were in a glorified body, the mark would probably not be necessary. I think that the them being in a regular body and that mark identifies them as God's uh, God's witnesses. and And so we have, again, that human lineage of them uh, being tied back to the 12 tribes of Israel. Your thoughts? Well, I think when we look at the scriptures and we talk about the fact that uh, one day we're going to be glorified, and and the, the blessing is we will one day be glorified. But right now, on this side of heaven, we aren't. And so in light of the text that we read, it doesn't mention that they are glorified. I believe if that were the case, um, it would say that. But it's not to say that in the future they will be glorified. But I think that, again, Mike, is is after the fact, not when they're on the earth as evangelists, but later on. Because the Bible does tell us that we are heirs of God. We're joint heirs with Christ. And if we suffer with him, we will also be glorified with him. Whenever it talks about us being glorified, it speaks of in the future, after uh, we've we've gone through what we've gone through in this life. And so I think that is what it would lend itself to. Yeah, and so I believe that they are evangelists, um, they're servants, the Bible says, of the Most High, and I believe that when the church is gone, they still have a very important role to to carry out. We know that they're successful because in Revelation chapter 6, there's a huge number gathered under the altar that came up as martyrs, and so uh, they evidently have been very busy in uh, making that proclamation of Christ to a tribulation world. But as far as them being in a glorified body, the Bible doesn't say it. I have found, generally speaking, when the Bible is silent on something, I try to be silent on it as well. And I would just go back to the direct lineage that they're tied to, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, and then the mark that God supernaturally places upon them Again, if they were in a glorified body that could not be heard or anything like that, the purpose of the mark would be be uh, 
to me almost meaningless because it, uh, it you know you're, you're not identified by that mark, but you got a body that can that's supernatural, man. So I think that mark is is an indicator that probably human, and it's also interesting to me that the Antichrist puts his mark on the human beings of the earth in Revelation chapter thirteen. Hope that helps, Steve. Yeah, hey Mike, I was thinking though too that uh, God says that uh, His name will be on our, our forehead for all of eternity. So that that mark uh, goes on to all of us. Well, eventually, I, I believe yes that that we're going to be um, we're we're going to be identified with Christ. Um, certainly, Jesus had marks on His foreheads where the crown of thorns was shoved on. So I I don't know what those marks will be, but I know we belong to him. And that's a good thing to know, Steve. Hope that helps. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you, Ed. And uh, stay in line, send you out some books, DVDs. And again, happy Thanksgiving to you. And uh, thanks so much for the call, Steve. Uh, before we go, we had a caller. I don't know if we still have it or not. Okay. We lost her. And she was asking the question, she had a friend that had uh, uh, a Mormon, and she was telling, uh, this Mormon lady was telling her that their church teaches Satan and Jesus are cousins. That's not true. The Mormon church teaches their brothers, (laughs) and that's even worse. The Bible says, uh, uh, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that's the only one he ever had, whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And so if you need more information on that, please let us know. I got a couple little booklets I can send out to you, but I just want to make sure we didn't miss you. You called in from yesterday. And so anyway, we're going to go to Marlis Cotton Grove, Cottage Grove, Oregon. Hi, welcome. Yeah. Hi, pastors. Um, I am a little frustrated. I talked to my daughter. I wrote this out so I don't have to take a long time to voice it to you. Um, I talked to my daughter yesterday, and um, she believes in the John MacArthur teaching on taking the mark and still going to heaven. I pointed out Revelation to her, 14, 9 through 11. And um, let's see. He uh, apparently, he he believes that if you take the mark and you repent, you can still go to heaven, which I don't read that at all in Revelation 14, 9 through 11. So um, I'm a little frustrated because I think she's deceived by him. And, yeah, I think, um, I I think she is too. I think that's an absolute pure heretical teaching. You have angels flying through the midst of heaven warning people not to take the mark of the beast. Uh, to say that, hey, once a person takes that, repents, oh, they're they're still going to go to heaven. That's another Bible I've never seen, and and uh, I believe a lot of these kind of ideas are much deeper rooted in other bad theology, like Calvinism, the once saved always saved thing. So you know, yeah, you 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 know, you, you're a believer, but then you take the mark of the beast. But to cover my tail feathers because I teach once saved always saved, you, you'll still go to heaven if you take the mark of the beast. That is heretical teaching. It's not in the Bible. It's forbidden in God's word. And I strongly recommend anybody that thinks you can start willy nilly taking things out, changing God's word concerning Revelation. You need to read the last chapter of Revelation. God says He will add to you. 
to the plagues of this book, if you add to God's word, and if you take away God's word, he'll take your name out of the book of life. Now, again, I don't know how your name got in the book of life. I believe when you became born again, everybody's not name is not in the book of life. It's very clear. Uh, Revelation 13, 8, 17, 8 says, everybody's name is not in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life. Uh, I believe that is written in there when you accept Christ as your Savior. But to say that you can take the mark of the beast and still go to heaven uh, violates all those scriptures, and there's not one scripture you will find that says uh, the opposite to your thoughts. I think it's important, and it brings up a valuable point, that regardless of who the teacher is, um, how well-known they are, what scholarship that they have behind their name, that it's important that we compare Scripture with Scripture. And if you ever come across something that, as you pointed out here today, Marilis, that contradicts the Word of God, that you always side with the Word of God. And that's why it's important that we are, as the Bible says, like Bereans, we study to make sure that these things are so. We compare Scripture with Scripture. We read Scripture in its context. We read the chapters before, the chapters after, the verses, etc. That way we won't uh, get come to the wrong conclusion concerning something as important as this. And so it's it's really important for our listeners who are Bible students to study the Word. Don't just take Mike's Word, my Word for it, John MacArthur's no. Word for it. Hey, go to the Scriptures, search it, and and make sure that you know that it says what it says. And find me the verse that says you can take the mark of the beast and still go to heaven. Because it's not there. If, if, if it is, uh, uh, this is out of a Bible I've never seen before. It's just simply not there. No, it's it's not there. exactly the opposite what the Bible says. Which is surprising so, to me, Mike, because somebody who is uh, so clear on Scripture in so many ways, how, how they could arrive at that conclusion, I, I'm really curious on that. I don't know how you could... It says what it says. How could it mean anything else? It's surprising to me. Well, I think it goes back, like I said earlier, to when you uh, adhere to some bad doctrine, mm. then you have to begin to bend Scripture to fit your bad doctrine, because what you're trying to say, the Scripture really doesn't say. So things that are very obvious, like if you take the mark of the beast, you've damned your soul. Um you know, this is how the martyrs, I believe, come about. You either take the mark of the beast or we'll execute you. I believe this is why the martyrs are there. Just to say, oh, well, I just changed my mind. and everything. No, 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 no. Uh, it's very clear what the Scripture says. I, like I say, I didn't say it. God's Word says it. And if we're not going to go by God's Word, then, hey, let's all go to Disneyland and believe whatever we want to believe. <laughs> okay. Marlos, I hope that helps. I don't mean to be trite, but I, I, I do believe when you find things in the Scripture so absolutely clear, and in a day and an age where, as Jesus said, they will not adhere to sound doctrine, I believe that this is where we're at. And, and I don't know how the Bible could be any clearer, but, you know, they still do it. So, Marlos, I hope that helps, dear. She, um, my daughter is Christian too, so that's what's really, um, and I have a son who's unchristian, and I, so I'm just going to pray about it, that he doesn't get the wrong impression on this thing. But I don't, you know, I tried to explain Revelation 14, 9 through 11, but she doesn't see it, so I guess I'll just pray for her. And, and um, you know, being a Christian, I think she would read that and just take it for what it says, which is what I told her, 
you know, just take it for what what God's word says. So anyway, I don't want to take much well, more, well, any no more of your time. You're not, you're not, dear. And let me tell you something. See, now this, you, here's what's bad when you speak about Revelation 14, so clear, so so absolutely spelled out. If when you read that, and now magically it doesn't mean what it says, then how much of the rest of the Bible means what it says? And this is where the problems begin to come from, that when something is crystal clear in the Bible, and yet they will say, oh, it doesn't mean that, well, how do we know Jesus was ever a real person? How, how do we know that uh, that anybody in the Bible was true? See, the problem is you you undermine your, your exegeting of Scripture by saying something so crystal clear doesn't mean what it says. Well, now we have major problems everywhere else in the Bible. And that, I believe, is the great problem. When someone says, well, I just can't see it, it's, take it to a third-grade English teacher and have her read it to her and say, what does this mean? There's no other conclusion you're going to come to. What I'm saying, when something is so absolutely bone dog clear in the Bible, and people still will they'll change God's word to meet bad doctrine somewhere else in their theology, that's the problem that you continue to find. And this is where we 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 go after. So we either believe all of it, or we have to say, well, you know. You know, it's just a big window we look through to see God, and God can be anybody, anything. And, you know, as the Pope says, we all worship the same God, Buddhist, Hindus, Muslim. We all, no, 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 a thousand times no. John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me, period. And when we look at that, Jesus in that verse categorically said, all the other religions of the world are bogus. Now, we stop to think about that for a minute, because you talk to people today and they'll say, well, Jesus, he was a great teacher. Yeah, he was a good, he was one of the greatest. Buddha, Muhammad, Jesus, yeah, they're a great teacher. Yeah, he was a great teacher. Really? Well, what did Jesus teach? Oh, you know, that love thing and grooving together. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. That, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm into that, man. Yeah. No. What about where Jesus said there's no other way to heaven except through him? John 14, 6. Well, I don't believe that. Well, then Jesus ain't a good teacher, because if he's telling you lies, he's not a good teacher. You can't have it both ways. And so when we begin to really look at Scripture and how we bring out God's Word, and when things are crystal clear in God's Word, and then for somebody, again, as you said, John, with uh, all kinds of letters behind their name, say, well, that doesn't mean what it obviously says. Well. What else are you going to do that to in God's Word? Hold on to your car keys, folks. That's only the beginning, and it is. Marla, well, stay on the line. Send you out some books, some DVDs. Got a, I got a couple of DVDs that uh, I think your son may really like uh, because you said that he is not a believer. These, I think, may very well help him. And um, certainly your daughter— uh, I, I will try to get you, I don't know if she'll listen, but I did a study in Revelation on Thumb Drive, and I'll try to get one of those out to you, okay? Okay, that would be great. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it, pastors. And I go to well, the Calvary Chapel Cottage Grove here, so so well, wonderful. I, I go to Cal 
Calvary Chapel here. Anyway, okay, well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. Thank you to both of you pastors. Well, uh, happy Thanksgiving and Merry Christmas. I'll send you some things, and especially that uh, study on Revelation. I think she'll really, really enjoy that. Okay. Stay in line, Marlis. We'll get you taken care of. Let's go to Melissa in Dallas, Texas. Hi, and welcome. Hello. How are you? Good. How may we help? So I'm just calling in for a prayer request. So my uh, my husband, his knee and shin area has been hurting really bad. So he went yesterday to get it checked out at the um, orthopedic uh, doctor. And they did an MRI, and he's like, oh, well, so now we're going to see an oncologist next week. So um, they're thinking it may be some type of cancer in his bone or something on his leg. So we're not really sure what we're, you know, what we're headed towards. So, Well, God's the healer. God heals through taking us home sometimes. He heals us sometimes through doctors and sometimes just a divine miracle. But whatever way he chooses to, to do it, we can trust him for the very best. Your thoughts, John? I agree with you, Mike. I think uh, it's important for us to pray, and the Lord exhorts us to do that. And we pray in faith. We believe that God can heal. And, um, and so I think it would be, and you think about all the listeners who are believers who would be joining us in prayer today on behalf of your husband. And, uh, boy, what a blessing to have all those prayers going up at once to the Lord today. Amen. And, uh, so we'll, let's pray for him. Okay. What, what's his first name, Melissa? Jason. <laughs> Father, we just come to you in Jesus name and we lift up Jason to you. We ask you, Lord, that you would, um, give wisdom here. Lord, that you would extend your hand of healing. And Lord, one who heals, please heal him. Lord, we, we, we don't know what's wrong, but we know you're the God who heals. And so we just ask you in Jesus' name that you would take this. And Lord, you would do your very best in this situation and bring peace to Melissa's life. That Lord, you've got it all under control. And so we place this in your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Melissa, our prayers are with you, and uh, please let us know how this all comes out. Our, uh, I'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs, okay? All right. Thank you so much. All right, Melissa, and we'll see what God will do. 8888, ask CSN's the number to call if you want to be part of the program today. Got some lines open here. Let's go to Judy, Las Vegas. Hi, welcome. Judy, are you there? Okay, I don't know what happened to Judy. Maybe maybe she'll pop on here very quickly. Uh, Judy had a question uh, concerning the doxology church. Do you know anything about it? John, do you know anything about it? Well, just looking up the doxology church, I don't know if it's if it's a particular one, doxology, Bible church. Um, you could go online and see some of it, but asking questions about it. I was just looking over it, Mike, as we were waiting. It gives in, insight on what they believe. Uh, they believe that the Bible is the authoritative revelation from God to men. It seems accurate. They believe that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. They seems pretty uh, line upon line as far as the essential doctrines of the Christian faith. They even talk about their culture and what they do within their church and um, and even their history that dates all the way back to 1954. So 
Um, I'm not sure what the question would be specifically. That's that's all I know about. I haven't heard much about it until right now, actually. Yeah, I haven't either. And and um, and Judy, I'm I'm sorry we 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 got um, disconnected. Or I I got a note here. It says it's extremely uh, you're extremely hard to hear. And I'm sorry about that. But I just want you to know that we want to, um, you know, we just want to do everything we can do to. Uh, make sure you find a good church, and so mm-hmm. far, what we read uh, seems to be seems to be pretty much in line with, um, you know, general general um, Christianity, and so um, probably be good to check that out. I think you might. You no, know, Mike, it. I was thinking um, when it comes to that, even that question about you know looking for a church. A lot of a lot of times nowadays, you hear the words, "Well, I'm," and you've probably heard it. I have. I'm church shopping, and you know, from that consumer's perspective, what do you look for? Uh, if you're looking for a church, what what should be one of the things that we should, you know, listeners should be looking for to find a, a good church, a solid church? Because sometimes it's hard to know. Maybe some guys aren't teaching the Bible anymore. They're not, you know, what do we look for if, if we want to find a solid church? Well, you know, I, I believe first of all and foremost is God's word. Amen. Jesus said we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Yet if we don't read God's word, how will we know then how to live? So I think we got a real problem there if we're omitting God's word and substituting it with life coaches and mm-hmm. and uh, you know motivational speaking and uh, you can do it you know kind of ideas. <laughs> where in fact, in reality, what we need to be is we need to be armed with God's word mm-hmm. to be able to withstand the fiery darts of the enemy. Because let me tell you something: if you're really a Christian, if you're really somebody that is that God has used and is using. You are going to, you're going to have the underworld come after you with a sledgehammer. The devil doesn't waste time on people that that uh, are of no eternal threat hmm. to the kingdom of darkness. But when you step up to be counted, I believe this is why we find Paul's um, outline and creditations for being who he was as a pastor. He didn't brag about the PhDs he had hanging on the wall or what schools he graduated from or all those things. He talked about the things he suffered for Christ. He was a day and night in the deep, beaten with rods, dangers as parallel in, in the wilderness, in the country, country uh, in the city, with his own people, all these different things. That's what made him what he was. But those are oftentimes the very things we think mean that God doesn't love us. And that, I believe, is a real tragedy because, again, the devil goes after those that pose a threat to his kingdom of darkness. And so, like I tell everybody everywhere, be noisy little sunbeams and just shine so your Father in heaven will be glorified. We are coming up on a break. We don't want anyone to go away. We'll have more right after this. And give us a call. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is frustrating. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare 65+. Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills, and it really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. Well, MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price 
for up to 10 years. And it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. Very worth looking into during Medicare open enrollment, which ends December 7th. If you join right now, your second month share will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. CSN International is listener-supported radio. Have you ever wondered where to send a donation to support this radio ministry? Our address is CSN International, Post Office Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. Help get the gospel out across the country. Again, our address is CSN International, Post Office Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. CSN, bringing you solid Christian radio that's listener-supported. CSN, the Christian Satellite Network, is broadcast on hundreds of stations nationwide, including over 60 in California alone. You can listen in great cities like Bakersfield, Sacramento, San Luis Obispo, Santa Barbara, Yucca Valley, and many more stations throughout California and the nation. The full station list is available through csnradio.com. You're listening to CSN International, where God's Word is heard. to part two of Terminate Answer on this Tuesday afternoon with John Randall. And we want to just, once again, just encourage you to give us a call. 8888, ask CSN's the number of calling to be part of the program today. We're going to go back to the phones. We have Nick on the line. Jerome Ido, hi, welcome. Hi, hi, Pastors. Um, hi. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I was uh, calling in regards to that. The thing was one of the first questions about the uh, Mark of the Beast and John MacArthur. And, yeah. uh, I was, I've, I've listened to John MacArthur a lot of years and, uh, I know that's not one of his teachings. I was wanting to, I heard him say it. Was interesting. And it was, I heard him say it. I heard him say it. It's on the internet. You can look it up. You can listen to it. That's what he says. Wanting to point anybody to a Q and a session that they responded to how it was phrased. Um, and it was a Q&A session where a guy was asking if that was, would it be an unpardonable, unpardonable sin, taking the mark of the beast? And his short answer was no, as it being an unpardonable sin. It doesn't actually state it was unpardonable. But that was, I guess that would be something I would just point to. It was kind of a, an extreme that the, he was trying to say it doesn't say it's unpardonable, but he never condones that that would be something you'd want to do. I'm sure he would actually, he would say that it's not something you'd ever want to do. And it's a hardening effect on your heart and you're probably not going to be saved. You will, you know, it's something you never want to do and it's warned against in scripture, but I was just wanting to, to point to that as uh, something to check out and, and read if somebody, anybody's confused or, or wondering about it. I've never actually heard him say that that's any part of his teaching at all. Well, yeah, you, you you can like I say in that in that uh, session he answers that, but th- that is not what the Bible teaches. That's that's the thing. You know, a lot of people can say, well, you know, I don't think I don't think this is a unpardonable sin. When the Bible says 
you will not go to heaven if you take the mark. I, I, I don't think it can get any clearer than that. And I haven't really seen, now I could be wrong. If somebody wants to direct me to it, I'll be glad to, to let people know. I have not seen any retraction on those comments yet. So, um, and when those retractions come, I'll be glad to, to, um, um, let people know. I can't really apologize. I'm not the one that said it. Um, but when I hear something like that, I, I have to, um, and, and remember the lady that called in, called in because it was something that he said. And, and when you listen to that dialogue, he does say that. So that was the point. I wasn't like going after MacArthur or for that matter, anybody else. But what I'm saying, when somebody says something, and I include myself in this, if I say something that, that isn't right, I, I want to correct it. I want to fix it. I want to print a retraction. I want to do something. But to leave that and not do that, I, I think that's a real important part of, of even our own personal exegete of the scripture that we need to be able to do that because whatever he said tripped this guy, this, this lady's daughter up. Your, your thoughts, John? Well, yeah, I agree. I think sometimes, you know, in this, in this day and age, um, uh, things can be cut and sliced and, you know, one minute you say something and the next minute somebody takes it out of context. I personally did not see, uh, this particular interview or question, but it does really, uh, say something to me, Mike, in the fact that, wow, people really listen to what we say and how yeah. careful we have to be and uh, think through our responses to questions. Maybe I didn't mean that. What I was saying was this. And, and sometimes you don't always have that opportunity and somebody could take that. So it just, it sends a message to me how we respond to people. And especially when we're talking about the scriptures, because we're going to be held accountable for those things. And even now I'm looking through of one of MacArthur's uh, commentaries on Revelation 13. I may have a little bit more for us later on in the program, Mike. Yeah. And, and, and here's a little bit of the issue too, is that people can have and hold a theology, an idea, mm. and then later on in their life recant or change the way they've stood on something for a lot of years. And, Many people believe that that may very well be what part of this was. I don't know. But I know that it has been a problem, and I know that I've gotten many calls mm. over the year, you know, the last, oh, probably four years or whatever, on this very topic because of what John MacArthur said. I didn't believe him. I listened to it, and I go, I can't believe he's saying this stuff. So— Nick, if there's a retraction someplace, please, please let me know. I will do my very best to, to, cause believe me, we all can say dumb things. I, I nobody has a, has a, a monopoly on that. But if I said something that outrageous, I, I would probably be mentioning that in probably every sermon for the next year and a half. So Nick, hope that helps. Okay. Yeah. Could I say one thing? Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I guess one of the in the blog article, I, I I know I've listened to John MacArthur a lot of years, and I've heard nothing from him being a faithful pastor, and and so I I just uh, I don't know I wanted to just show something in their blog blog article there, but he, it was talking in First Corinthians six nine to ten, it also says, "Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, 
adulterers and thieves, all the above, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And so in short, all sins carry the threat of eternal doom, and some particularly heinous sins have a built-in hardening effect and makes them particularly dangerous. And so I think he was trying to express how far the grace of God can reach. And it says all all of these in First Corinthians six, nine to ten, will not inherit the kingdom of God, but but God's grace covers them also. And so I think that was the kind of the point behind what he said, but but I was just wanting to bring up that and uh I do know John MacArthur as being a faithful pastor for a lot of years and I um so but yeah. Well, like I've always told people, it isn't the good things pastors say, it's the bad things that they say that sometimes concern me greatly. Um, And again, when somebody makes a statement like that, like he did, and I heard it, I have problems with that because when you have angels flying through the midst of heaven warning people on the earth, I, all I can say is for anyone to come along and say, well, you know, there's some wiggle room here where the Bible doesn't say that I've learned not to do that. And so, um, like I say, Nick, um, uh, if I would have made a statement like that, I would probably had it in the tail end of every one of my broadcasts. Uh, that isn't really what I meant. You know, I, I would be trying to get that clarified as quickly as possible, but thus far I have not seen anything. So. If you've come across something, Nick, please let me know. Stay in line, and I'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs I think you'll enjoy. With that, we'll go to Lawrence, Reno, Nevada. Hi, welcome. God bless you. God bless you. Um, Thank you for your show. It's a very good one. Me and my wife love it. But my question is, the biggest weapon I believe the devil has used amongst God's people is division. We have so many denominations, from Pentecostal to Baptist, Apostolic, Methodist, so forth and so forth, to even new ones that are being created today as we speak. But if we're under one Bible, who we are supposed to love God, live for Christ, live like Christ, be under the Holy Spirit, why is there so so much division? Since I've been saved, I always wondered, because for me, if we're divided, you cannot win against a, 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 a whole front. But when you're divided, you're crippled. And it seems like our leaders or our people who are saved are not understanding that. And I always wanted to know what is. I just wanted to hear someone else's opinion. I mean, I have my own. But, you know, just wanted to ask that question. You know, Lawrence, I think that's something that everybody um, goes through as well. I I think that's why when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, You know, in heaven, there's not going to be denominationalism and there's not going to be all that kind of stuff. And those things that oftentimes I think separated us from one group to another, I think uh, when everything comes to full light in the light of Christ, I, I believe those ideas and bad teachings will 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 just go away, and we'll we'll know a whole lot more the minute we walk into heaven than we do now. I believe that there's always issues, though, and we have to be careful in the Scripture where the Bible says to 
to adhere to sound doctrine. Now, again, doctrine is through the entirety of the Bible. It's not just on a couple verses that I like and I can form my theology or my church dogma, but rather what does the Bible say on that topic? And I, I was raised in many different denominations, so I understand a lot of these different ideas where people come up with these different tangents that they go out on. When you really simply just read the Bible, and, and I, as I've told people before, if you're on a desert island, a Bible washes up on shore, you take it out of the plastic bag and you start reading it, you would never in a hundred years come to the conclusions that some of these Bible teachers say. You have to be taught wrong. And yet, oftentimes, they're teaching their church dogma, their church uh, uh, rules and all rather than really what the Bible has to say about that. Because when the verses in the Bible contradict their dogma, they just gloss over them, or explain them away, or, well, that really doesn't mean what it says. Let's move on to the next verse. This is where the problems come from. And if I have an idea, a belief, and there's other verses in the Bible that bring a different viewpoint to it, or a different understanding to that, I have to be able to adapt those in to the the idea. Now, some things the Bible is very clear on. They're, it's very uh, uh, emphatic what it, it says. But other places, well, you know, now our church believes you have to baptize three times forward instead of one times backwards. And, you know, and that, you know, I mean, that's going to vary. Now, to say that you're not a Christian because you weren't baptized three times forward instead of one times backwards, that's where the heresies come in. And I believe that's where the division comes in. It's like people that say, well, you got to worship on Saturday. Praise God. If you want to worship on Saturday, hey, wonderful. That's great. If you want worship on Monday, maybe you're a doctor, paramedic, police, whatever. Your day of rest might be a day during the week. I have no problem with that. That's great. But where I have problems, as the Seventh-day Adventist comes in with the teachings of Ellen G. White, if you worship on Sunday, uh, it's the mark of the beast. Now, that's totally ridiculous. The Bible never teaches that. You would never get that from a Bible that you're on an island reading. You have to be taught wrong. The Bible tells you what that is. It's a mark on your hand or on your forehead. And without it, you'll not be able to buy or sell anything during the last half of the tribulation period. Very clear. It's what it says. Never mentions Sunday worship or anything like that. But they make this stuff up. And in making it up, somehow gives it credibility. And then it's taught and repeated mindlessly, mindlessly, mindlessly throughout all the churches. And so you have people thinking, look how spiritual I am. I worship on Saturday. I'm not like one of those heathen pigs that worship on Sunday. Yeah, you think, wow. Every day is the Lord's, man. And so I, I think if we go back to what the Bible says, I think we're all going to be just a lot better off. And you know, one thing we do know, and there is no wiggle room, Jesus Christ and Him crucified, the only Son of God, lived a sinless life, died in our place, and if we put our faith, hope, and trust in Him, not our works, but His, 
the Bible says we'll go and spend eternity with him because only his blood removes sin. John, your thoughts. Lawrence, I really appreciate your question. And it reminds me of that passage in scripture in John 17, where Jesus actually prays for unity among his followers. And he said that they all may be one as you father in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me, I've given them that they may be one just as we are one. Really, Lawrence, unity is the heart of Jesus. He desires his children to be united. And the fact is, Sometimes we have differing opinions on non-essentials. And let me just give you something that's really helped me when it comes to um, those maybe who believe differently. Here's something that's important to remember. In essentials, that is essential doctrines to the Christian faith, there has to be unity or you're not, you won't be united. Essentials. Non-essentials, there is liberty, but in all things, charity and love. So essential doctrines, there's no room when it comes to the death of Christ, when it comes to the resurrection of Christ, the virgin birth, etc. There are essential doctrines that if we're not united on those things, then there is no unity. Non-essentials, then we can still love one another and disagree agreeably. And I think if we did that, there'd be a whole lot more unity in the body of Christ. You know, we're a non-denominational church at Calvary Chapel, and I love my brothers and sisters from other denominations. And especially those that we agree on essential doctrines. And I can have fellowship with them. Other things, maybe we disagree, but they're non-essential. It's good to make that distinction. Yeah, and and uh, everybody has to, to work out their own salvation. Not that you're going to come up with your own private way of to go to heaven, but it means what do you believe and why do you believe it? Well, I believe it because my church says it. No, that's not good. You want to believe it because this is what God has shown you from his word in balance, in context, and that gives us a basis, a foundation for what we're in. So that way, when I talk to somebody, am I am I talking to them about God's word or am I talking to them about church dogma? And church dogma uh, falls apart under the scrutiny of, of scripture. But God's word, I, I believe this is what unites us together, and we can all agree in that. But see, again, we need to read the entirety of God's Word, not just the parts we like, because we will have an anemic walk, and we can't defend our faith. And so, uh, again, when we want to have fellowship with each other, um, uh, we have it in Christ Jesus, who He is. And just because a person may have a, a a little bit different idea of something doesn't mean they're not a Christian, doesn't mean God doesn't love them. Um, but what it does mean, we need to be able to reach out. And do they hold, as you said, John, the essentials of the gospel? So hope that helps. It did. Thank you. God bless you both. Lawrence, stay online. I'll send you out some books, some DVDs, and uh, we're going to— uh, to get those to you. Always great for evangelism. Lend them out, get them back, lend them out, get them back. <clears throat> they work, they do amazing things. So Lawrence, happy Thanksgiving to you and uh, look forward to those in the mail. Stay in line, we'll get those sent to you. Let's go to Ralph, Rustin, Louisiana. Hi, welcome. Hey, how are you, man? I'm glad to hear you, pastors. I got a real question here, help? man. Okay. Uh, my question is this is are there prayers that are off limits? And I will explain. I was arrested 
on uh, September 4th for a prayer in a church. I went to a church where I had never been at before. I've only been a Christian since I'm 37. I'm 47 now. I went to a church because the service was uh, the church I normally attend. It was about 1045 in the morning. I couldn't make it to my church, so I went to a church I'd never been to that was right down the road from me. It was the first missionary church in Sibley, Louisiana. I simply needed to go in there and talk to God about injustice at the altar. While I was in jail for 47 days, because they put me in jail for this prayer, they arrested me at the altar of God on my knees with tears coming down my face, no weapons on me. I don't own any weapons, but for that prayer, they came, the police officers, the Webster Parish Sheriff's Department came in there and arrested me on my knees with the tears on my face, and they charged me with terrorizing for the prayer that I prayed to God. And I prayed in a loud voice with many tears coming down my face because of the injustice that I saw inside of America. I wonder, what kind of prayers are illegal here in America, especially when I was only talking to God? No one will help me. They made me homeless. I'm a single daddy with a little girl. I've taken care of her ever since she was nine and a half months old by myself. I have no family. I was raised in children's homes and foster homes and homeless as a kid on the streets. I went to the Marine Corps at 17 years old with only the clothes on my back. I left Florida at 17 years old and I never returned. But I became a Christian at 37 years old. Since that, when I became a Christian, I didn't want to take the pastor's word, the deacon's word, anybody else's word. I wanted to find out who God was for myself. So I went into the Bible, and I looked for God, and I found him. And when I found him in there, it said, I found that I was supposed to be able to bring anything I wanted to God in any way I wanted. However, I, I needed to cry out to him. I thought I could cry out to God. But they came into that church before my prayer was over and said, you cannot be saying this kind of stuff in here, and put, me, put my hands behind my back. And I will tell you what the prayer was, sir, because I will never forget it. And in 47 days of being in that jail, when I went into that jail, I asked those men after I left, because I told them, I said, I don't, I don't, uh, I didn't make me this. God made me this. He made me a prophet of God. Uh, I didn't make me this. I, I, in fact, I didn't want to be. I don't want to be because it's a hard thing to be. Well, a lot of times we 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 um, don't always want to do what we want to do. But you know, again, uh, Ralph, and for anybody, we we need to be very, very careful. Um, uh, we need to be very careful in how we say and what we say to whom and where. Um, there are things that I would pray in my prayer closet that I would never pray openly. Um, because first of all, a lot of people don't understand my relationship with God. A lot of people don't understand the things that are on my heart with God. So I have to do, I, I have to do that. In fact, Jesus said, you know, when you enter your prayer closet, pray and, and the God who hears in private will reward you openly. So the the danger I think comes in sometimes if we start saying things you know and I again w- what you said is is really the issue as much as evidently you really upset them and I would probably have advised you to go and maybe talk to the pastor first 
to see uh, if that would be, you know, offensive language or offensive uh, topic in his church. But we have to remember that there, there has to be a balance in the things that we say and the things we do. And we remember Jesus privately would talk to his disciples much differently than he would talk to the open crowds. John, your thought. Well, you know, I also think, Mike, it's important on a call like that. You know, the Bible does say in Proverbs eighteen seventeen, the first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. And I think it's important to know the context of what went down. I've been pastoring for over 25 years, Mike, and we have times of prayer. And then there's times when um, we're, we're not praying out loud. If somebody came to the altar in the middle of a service, we don't know when, what time, but if they came to the, the front of the altar and was praying, as was mentioned, loudly and boldly, and you're not sure what's going on. And it wasn't a time for that. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 14, 40, let all things be done decently and in order. And these are the days in which we're living, Mike, when we can't take anything for granted. We don't know if this person comes for the first time and comes in and bursts in and declares, as was mentioned, that I'm a prophet and I'm praying this. I mean, all of us would be concerned uh, in that case. I think there's a time to pray in that way. And then there's a time not to pray. And I think your advice on, hey, go to the pastors and share as opposed to coming to a church service and coming to the front and raising your voice. And that would be a concern for anybody. And I'm sure in most churches today, in light of the times in which we're living, security would be issued pretty quickly. And um, for the protection of the sheep, even even if the person did it in the right spirit or the right heart, they thought they were doing what was right. Um, these are the days when when we take things very seriously and we protect the sheep at all costs. And so I think things need to be done decently and in order is what the Bible says. And I'm sorry, you know, Ralph, that uh, yeah. you end up getting arrested. I, I, it's too bad they just didn't pull you off to the side. But again, uh, uh, you know, being that we don't have the other side of the story, it would be, it would be wrong, scripturally wrong for us to, to, um, even make any statements without knowing all the details. Mm-hmm. Right. But I want you to know that. God does put things in our heart Amen. to tell people, and I believe this is where uh, in in Christ we 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 get His direction, we get His purpose, His design, all these things, and so that way, when when the time comes for us to say what we need to say, it will be received rather than whoa, where's this guy coming from? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't believe that the Holy Spirit interrupts himself. I don't believe that in a church service, I don't believe that, that, um, otherwise you'd have Johnny jump up all over the whole, the whole congregation. So everything needs to be done decently and in order. Uh, I believe it needs to be done in the order in which that church does things. And if somebody just comes into any church and starts, you know, um, you know, they come up for, well, that's great. But if it's a time of prayer, well, that's one thing. But mm-hmm. when somebody's attracting attention to themselves, that's also it can be uh, sometimes a bit troublesome. So, Ralph, I just want to encourage you, whatever message concerning the gospel and that we must be saved, may the Lord just continue to do that in your life. And so we're all out of time. John, thanks so much for being on the program today. And again, may the Lord keep you. God bless you. Good night. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. 
Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 